friendly. Please find your way back to your seats. Hello, everyone. I'm Jonathan Flower, and uh, I have the privilege of bringing insights from God's Word this morning. And um, first, a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Texas going to an Anglican church. I went to a, a Bible school called Christ for the Nations Institute. It was primarily charismatic. Um, there in Dallas, where that was, was, is where I met my beautiful wife, Valerie, and we had our two amazing boys, James and Henry. Then we moved out here to Georgia and um, have received a huge amount of help from Valerie's parents with our kids. I'm incredibly grateful for them and especially the strong influence that they've been on this. They have been in their lives and regularly sharing the gospel with them. I could not be more grateful. And uh, recently, I was appointed and confirmed as an elder of the church. Um, it's a privilege uh, to be called and to serve. I recently went a little over six months without a job, and I'm on week four of a new opportunity that I'm receiving from God as, as just a gift. It's something I'm incredibly excited about and uh, something that was really hard for me to have coordinated. The most significant part of my past was when I was um, about to be a freshman in high school and I was at kind of the lowest part of my life. And I opened up my Bible and decided to see if there was anything really to this Jesus that I kept hearing about at church. And God chose uh, out of his grace to reveal himself to me in a powerful and unforgettable way. If I get a, the chance to share another sermon with y'all, I'll dive more into that when I talk about Philippians, teach on Philippians. At that time, God performed a miraculous transformation deep inside of me, and I committed to, my, to live my life his way, not my own way. Uh, just this last week, for instance, I had to ask my wife uh, for forgiveness when I lost my temper, my temper during a discussion we had. And uh, it turns out that there is a great spot in our bedroom to hang a picture. This is why I'm up here. Even though I don't deserve it, Christ forgives me. He reveals himself to me personally. I'm in love, 
and it is a privilege to be able to open up Matthew 28 and share a little bit about who Jesus Christ is. So what we're going to do is we're going to first take a step back because in here in Matthew 28 is the Great Commission, and the Great Commission doesn't really make a lot of sense without the resurrection, and the resurrection doesn't make sense without the crucifixion. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for working in my life, and thank you for revealing yourself to people listening, for working in their lives. Thank you for second chances. Lord, please bring and give your peace. There's so much noise, distractions. Please give us peace. And Lord, I, I pray in your name against any distractions that we may hear what you have to hear, have to say to us, what you have to say to me and what everyone listening, what you want to tell them personally. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's start back in Matthew 27, verse 50. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many pe holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those when the centurion and those with him regarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. This is the most tragic moment in history. It's incredibly dark, and, and in fact, while Jesus was up on the cross, everything was dark, from noon until three in the afternoon. Sometimes it's hard to really contemplate just how, how tragic it was. And growing up attending an Anglican church, there was a hymn we would sing during Stations of the Cross, where we would go through different stations in the church and just meditate on just the tragedy of the cross. And it goes, it goes something like this. It goes like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? 
oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. 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 Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And what I'd like to do is just share some of the beauty of that melody with you. And we're going to we're going to play a little bit of the audio of this of this hymn. Please take a moment and close your eyes and and try to mo- meditate on the tragedy of of the cross. I know many of us come from different denominations, and I'm frankly just curious, if you don't mind showing hands, how many of you have ever attended a Stations of the Cross? Just a handful. If you ever have a chance, I encourage you to attend one of those services during this time of Lent. Uh, I think it's 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 very helpful it's been very helpful to me emotional and impactful to dwell a little bit on how on the darkness of the cross so that i can appreciate the light and the brightness of the resurrection let's take a look back at scripture and Look briefly at how the Pharisees responded. 
the next day, one, so this is after they buried Jesus. The next day, one of the, the one after pre- preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, they dis- the, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. Now let's move on to Jesus raising from the dead. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the, of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything they had heard. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If if this report gets to the governor, he will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. I love the imagery with the angel at the tomb and his appearance was like lightning. So we have the crucifixion being literally dark and then we have this bright light of the resurrection. I wonder what it must have been like inside the tomb as as the... um, 
the garment just kind of fell. I, w- I wonder what that transition looked like. So in the last three days, the, the Pharisees have observed this darkness coming over the whole land. Earthquakes. The temple's curtains tearing in two. Rocks splitting. People's raising from the dead. Another earthquake. Can you imagine them sitting there, listening to these guards report? And then, surely, surely they would realize that this was the Son of God. But no. They decide the best course of action is to gather a bunch of money and pay guards to lie. Incredible. I can't help but think that their hearts were even harder than Pharaoh's when God performed miraculous wonders to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. This is a warning to me and to others, especially who are spiritual leaders. May we never be deceived into thinking that we are a God who can save. Rather, we are sinful and in desperate need of a Savior. We cannot do anything meaningful without Christ. Then the the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. When Johnny gave me Matthew 28 to preach on, my first thought was, oh no, that has the Great Commission in it. I am not very good at sharing my faith. I'm not good at evangelism. And it's, I feel it's a little bit like taking nutrition advice from someone who is obviously not very healthy. Well, you shouldn't listen to me. But I believe God has been working in my heart in, in this area. And maybe when I share this, he will speak to your heart as well. So sharing the gospel is scary. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but I get really nervous. And I start to wonder, what if I mess up? What if I say the wrong thing? Is there salvation on the line? Is my salvation on the line? What if I confuse them and create a stumbling block for them?
Fortunately, it's not up to me. Just like what we went through with the Pharisees. It would be prideful to think that it was up to me. I'm not the one saving this person. I get to play a small role in sharing with them and letting the Holy Spirit work in their hearts. I listened to a devotional recently by Jordan Rayner, and it really shifted my perspective on sharing the gospel. Rayner teaches that God created us in his image, including this wonderful ability to create. Rayner describes it as working with God to cultivate heaven on earth. A Greek philosopher describes it as actively partnering with God to take the world somewhere. He also draws this connection between the Great Commission and the commission all the way back in Genesis, where God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air, and every creature that moves on the ground. So imagine this picture of joining with God, partnering with God to create something. And when I imagine approaching sharing the gospel like that, uh, it's just such a contrast to being nervous. I think it's, I think it's exciting. It shifts my motivation. Rather than wanting to share the gospel because I'm a good Christian and I'm, that's what I'm supposed to do, I want to work with God and take advantage of this opportunity to work with the Holy Spirit, to be a part of something incredibly beautiful. The Holy Spirit revealing himself to someone, and that person responding by giving their life to him. Some people are motivated by different things. I am definitely motivated by seeing people become their best in Christ. And this relates perfectly to the vision the elders and I feel the Lord has for the church at large and especially for this congregation. Uh, we recently had a retreat and we came up with this vision to make room for their best yes with God so that they can live in the kingdom now and forever. Let me say that again. To make room for their best yes with God, so that they can live in the kingdom now and forever. And what better illustration of living in the kingdom now than joining with God in creating and cultivating heaven on earth? I shared some of this with Johnny, and he gave me this great analogy. Imagine that you were playing golf with Tiger Woods, and you were playing best ball. For those of you who don't know what that means, 
that means that if when you're playing with another person, you both hit your golf balls, and then with whoever hits the best golf ball, you both go to that spot and then hit again from there. So at the end of playing with Tiger Woods, you can imagine you would, you know, your score would be the same as what Tiger Woods score would have been. And I love that analogy because isn't that, maybe that's more like it is with Christ. We're partnering with him, and when we do that, when we're listening, we're hearing from him, and we're joining him, we can't fail. Simon Sinek does this thing where he has two fishbowls. And one is full of marbles representing statistically how many weeks he has left on earth. Each week he asks himself, did I do something to inspire someone this week? If not, he takes the marble and he trashes it. And if he did, he picks up the marble and puts it in the other bowl. John Foreman has some great lyrics in a song he calls The Gift. He says, the question is, if we will recognize the gift before it is done. Will we recognize the gift before it is done? Will you recognize the gift of partnering with God this week? Will you invite God to work in you and through you? Will you take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime to work with God to cultivate heaven on earth? I had the privilege of hearing Lance Wallnau share a talk about sharing the gospel in, in a workplace. And one of the things that he really goes deep on is Matthew 10, 16. I'm sending you out like sheep surrounded by wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. What I love about that is I feel like sometimes it's tricky to understand, okay, where do I just follow orders? And where do I actually use my own creativity, my own ability to move the gospel forward? And I think what the picture, the gospel, what, what scripture paints is something like, you know, painting a large canvas and you're painting it with God. And God says, paint, paint right here. And you do your little, you know, marks. And it's part of this huge canvas. And it's beautiful. And God wants us to do our little part and use our own creativity to be as wise as serpents. 
and enjoy working with them as we share the gospel. We should be motivated to live for God and to make him Lord of our lives because Jesus, because of Jesus' extravagant love demonstrated by dying on the cross for us, for me, while we were still sinners. We should be motivated by the fact that God calls us friends and reveals, us, reveals to us what he is doing. Should be, we should be cautious and learn from the Pharisees. Don't be fooled into thinking that you are better than, thinking that it's up to you. Soften your heart. Remember that you need God's grace just as much as the person next to you. And lastly, we learn today that we have every reason to be excited that Jesus wants to work in us and through us to cultivate heaven on earth, to live in the kingdom now and forever. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gift of your son dying on the cross. It should have me been me paying the price for the sins that I have committed. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace. Please, Help me and everyone listening to strive to be motivated by your extravagant love and to be excited by the opportunities to hear from you and to work with you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what we're going to do now is come to the Lord's table. So I want to invite you.